Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. One of the most outside-the-box wild ideas in music history, and it worked to absolute perfection. Who would have ever thought, especially if you know about Metallica, you know, 1980s and early 1990s, who would have ever thought Metallica and the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra would have made brilliant music. But goodness gracious, was it? I know I'm always talking about Metallica, but how could you not? And they're just so musically innovative and just so sweet. Welcome back to Honest Now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, you can always find it on the Nuance Now podcast, probably presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com. The M Store, where they're all grizz all the time, and the MSU Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org. It's time now for our ESPN Roundtable. It's presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. What a place to watch all the uh, college football action on Saturday. Paradise Falls has breakfast, lunch, and dinner, early and late drink specials, Plus, they got food specials every day as well. Go check them out there on 3621 Brook Street, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hot spot. Our guest this week on the ESPN Roundtable, the commissioner of the Big Sky Conference, Tom Wistershill, joining us. Tom, thanks so much for being here, man. How you been? I've been great, Culture. Great to be with you. First of all, the thing that had me uh, texting you is because I was on my way back from Moscow after watching an awesome and really exciting uh, nationally televised game between Montana and Idaho. And I was like, well, I'm going to Sacramento for the same thing next week. And uh, so I figured we'd get the commission on to talk about sort of this national exposure. So I mean, what do you think of this opportunity for the league? Big Sky after dark, two weeks in a row. Uh, it's great. You know, we're very fortunate to have a great partnership with ESPN. And uh, getting that linear exposure was really important in our discussion with them. Uh, you know, not only do we know we have a great product to watch on TV, but um, we also know that the benefit of being out west is, um, you know, come 8, 9 o'clock in our, in our neck of the woods, there's not much football on. So let's get some big sky games on. We were fortunate enough to get those games on. We've had, as you know, wonderful games through the last few years, uh, including the game you were at uh, last Saturday. And I'll, uh, I'll be with you this Saturday out in uh, Sacramento. So um, we're very fortunate to have, have that product and, you know, as I told our, our presidents and athletic directors, you know, we think about things in terms of our local area, and that's great. But for someone like me that lived in the Midwest and the East, to know that Big Sky football is on in every sports bar in the country um, is pretty cool. At midnight Eastern, you know, when it's 9 o'clock out West, uh, football's on, they're looking at the Big Sky. So really exciting for us and our program. So the uh, good numbers, too. You could tell that people were definitely interested in this. Saturday night's game, the initial – uh, numbers are about 245,000 folks viewed that. So that's on par with some of these other Big Sky ESPN games. And the games themselves the last couple years have been really good. I mean, 2021 out in Cheney, Montana, and Easter Washington went down to the wire. Last year, 
Montana Sac State went to overtime, and and then on Saturday it was another one that came all the way down to the wire as well. So uh, I, I know you're rooting for all the teams to play well, but you must probably also root for these things to be really close games. Do you, I mean, do you think that helps us in terms of the exposure and, and sort of the branding of the league? I think absolutely. You know, again, we've been very fortunate. Obviously, you know, when you look at our conference, top to bottom, the best conference in the country, the deepest. So, so you know, on purpose, we pick games we think are going to be competitive against nationally ranked teams. Now, we don't know back-to-back weeks we're going to have, you know, two top ten teams playing each other like we are like we have. But it worked out really well. But it's great branding for us. And, uh, you know, it's wonderful that people around the country get a chance to look and go, wow, uh, that team's really good. Or look at the innovative stuff they're doing on offense and you know, our programs are so deep, they're so well coached, and there's such a great history of success around the conference that getting to showcase that off around the country is just a huge thing for every one of our programs. Tom Wister still joining us here uh, on Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app. He's the commissioner of the Big Sky Conference. When it comes to so the, the, the back-end negotiations of these things, I mean, how do you go about, you know, pitching to ESPN, and how do you go about acquiring multiple games? I mean, what's, what's sort of the, the behind-closed-doors view at uh, how the league lands these sort of the deals? Well, you certainly go in with an idea of kind of what you're wishing for, and, you know, you have to aim high um, because, you know, first of all, we have such a great product to promote. That part of it's easy. Uh, we also have a consultant we work, we work with out of New York, City called Collegiate Sports Management Group, and they're very experienced in this type of negotiation as well. So, so you know, we go in with the saying, okay, what, what do we want to have? Well, our goal is at a base level is to have, you know, every one of our sports available to everyone in the world. And that's where the ESPN Plus part of it comes from, right? So if your grandpa and grandma and you're in San Diego and your kid plays, your, your grandkid plays volleyball at Montana, how do I watch the games? So you take care of that with ESPN Plus through all the sports. And, uh, and so that's the, that's the baseline of soccer, volleyball, you know, uh, every sport you can think of, all the basketballs, footballs, everybody, that they can watch those. Then you say, okay, what can we do to further uh, the league that separates us from other FCS programs? And that's where, you know, we were the first conference to get those games on linear late night. And so, you know, as we start to negotiate our deal and start to look at partnerships beyond the next couple of years, we're going to look to increase that number. Uh, we think we have a great product for late night Saturday night football and uh, yeah everybody doesn't love to play at night and we get it it's not always the easiest but I'll tell you what the exposure for our programs and for our coaches to have their teams on national TV uh, that's a huge deal for us to be attached to that ESPN name so you know like I said the negotiation is you go in with something you ask for a lot maybe they counter and you find a middle ground that works for both of you and luckily our president's and the Big Sky are totally bought into understanding the value of that exposure, so they give me the ability to to go do do the job right the right way and uh, arrive at something we think is really good for all parties. Well, the ratings are obviously certainly a part of this. I mean, you got tangible numbers that you can give back to the schools, the presidents, the athletic directors, stuff like that. Is there other things that sort of deem success? Or I mean, when you're giving your year-end report to the, the various athletic departments. How do you sort of put this in perspective in terms of what they're gaining from it? Is there any other measurements or tangible numbers you can give them? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's the numbers that you mentioned earlier, the broadcast. I mean, the headline of that is, is you know, ESPN 2, 2 showed, I believe, five football games that day. And we were the fifth, and we had the highest rating of any of them. The awesome. other four were all F- FBS games. You know, so so already we're, we're above and beyond 
Conference USA and Sun Belt and that. Um, so, so to be able to sit and say we're doing better than those program, those conferences from a ratings perspective, is really important. There's the money piece as well. Obviously, ESPN pays us for this, and so the more ratings we can drive, the more money we can ask for. And then I think, if from a production standpoint, we want to make sure that we showcase the great venues we have. I mean, I think the Kippy Dome played really well the other night. It was loud in there. Um, it was a great football game. Uh, players were into it. The coaches were into it. It was a high intense football game. And so it showcases what we have. So those are the things we kind of hang our hat on. And, and then we always hope for the best because, you know, we schedule these things, you know, years in advance from a game perspective. And, and during the summer is when we uh, settle on the ESPN games. And then, uh, Luckily, it plays out the way it has so far. When it comes to the, the payouts from ESPN, is that then revenue share? Is that distributed amongst all the league, or is it just the teams that play on it? How does that part work? We have a cooperative revenue share. Everybody shares the same across the entire league, all of our all of our revenue. And uh, so that's a, a really good thing that we do as a conference so that promotes camaraderie and, and uh, that everybody has you know certainly a lot of skin in the game. Uh, to try to grow all the revenue opportunities from a broadcast perspective. So very, very um, common for uh, conferences, you know, to, in, in this case for us, uh, all of the media rights for all of the conference programs go into the big sky. The schools hold on to their own uh, broadcast for some non-conference events, but the majority of all those events are part of our package. And uh, so that's what we go to market with and we, you know, talk to four, six different outlets, and we settled on ESPN for the for the the time frame we're under now, and uh, we got another couple years left, so we'll begin in earnest, kind of late spring, early summer, uh, looking at what's next. Tom Mister still here on ESPN Radio. It's Nuanas now. It's our ESPN Roundtable, probably presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Do you have a roundtable culture? Like, are you around a roundtable? I, I, I wish. We actually have had some actual traditional roundtables, and we have multiple guests lately as well, for sure. Uh, this is always our uh, long-form interview of the week. Tom, the uh, commissioner of the Big Sky there Conference, we so we're talking all things uh, negotiations and uh, TV revenues and such pertinent and hot topics when it comes to uh, the world of college football. I want to ask about that part, Tom. I mean, we've seen all of this movement and, and so many different elements of, of college sports in general, but also college football be in flux and, and so much of the realignment and reorganization of all of this is uh, going to be what well, has been and is still going to be driven ahead by TV money, TV exposure, all that sort of stuff. So uh, you guys obviously pushing the envelope forward, making big efforts to get as much TV revenue as you can. Where do you think the Big Sky Conference as a whole, though, fits into uh, sort of this rapidly changing and seemingly almost always uh, altering landscape of college football right now? Well, you certainly described it very well there, Coulter, ever-changing. And, uh, you know, I feel very good about our future. Uh, we have a really solid group of schools who believe in the same things, who fund their programs, you know, roughly the same. There's differences, obviously, but... Um, we have presidents that are all very like-minded and to, you know, try to promote their athletic programs and be successful. Uh, as you said, there's a lot of changes at the top. You know, I mean, just think about three years ago, like if you and I would have talked about the Pac-12 is going to disappear, we would have like laughed out loud. Right. That, that, that would have never happened, right? And so here we're staring that in the face. And uh, Oregon State and Washington State are in a really tough place. You know, and I, I know they're talking with the Mountain West, and there's some opportunities there, and we'll wait and see how that plays out. There's a lot of lawyers involved, and 
legal proceedings and and there's 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 quite a bit going on there but for the big sky it's about being the best version of ourselves and you know we believe it's the strongest fcs conference we can kind of chart our course and uh you know there there there's always going to be people who are chirping at some of our schools uh, and maybe you should look at fbs and you know and so my my job is to make sure that our presidents and ad's at all our schools know the pros and cons of each of those decisions i lived life in the g5 at a at a at a school in the MAC as an athletic director, and I know how difficult it is to try to fund those programs. And so, you know, it doesn't mean that FBS is a bad decision or staying at FD, FCS is the perfect decision. But we talk about it as a conference. We talk about it in our ADs meetings, in our presidents' meetings, about what the landscape is life and I, like. And I try to tell them, here's kind of what I think is going to happen, how I think this plays out. But you know, it's changed so much over the last year or two. Um, it's really hard to predict. But I do know this that. Our schools are, are, are stable, good, financially smart institutions. They fund the programs at the right level, at a championship level, and the goals don't change for our program. They want to win the Big Sky Conference and win the national championship in football. And those are our team's goals, and that's what they should be. And, and we'll continue to do that. Now, do I know if FCS football is going to look the same five years from now as it does today? My guess is probably not. Maybe there's schools that come down. Maybe there's some that go up. Uh, maybe the FBS splits in half and some of those other schools look to come down. Who knows? I can't, I can't control any of that above us in FBS, but we can work really hard as a conference to kind of chart our own, our own course and maximize the opportunities we have and stay together, uh, lockstep like we have been. And uh, we'll see how that plays out. Well, in your mind, just being uh, is this, I mean, honestly, among if not the most stable conference in the Western United States, how does the sort of uh, dissolving of the Pac-12 and, and sort of all the influx things that are happening uh, in this region, how does that affect the Big Sky Conference? You know, the, probably the biggest effect in some ways is on our officiating. Um, you know, we do a lot of cooperative programs with the Pac-12 from an officiating standpoint, uh, certainly men's basketball, women's basketball, you know, with the officials and that. So so there's some changes there that we're work, that are working on. You know, I do think from a non-conference perspective, scheduling-wise, those teams that have either left the Pac-12 or are remaining, um, they're still going to need to play regional competition. So I think we're in a good place from non-conference games, whether it be football or basketball or soccer, volleyball, whatever. Um, and I think maybe there's even an increased opportunity for us there because then you take a school like Oregon, let's just pick on one, who, who didn't have to fly east more than once every couple of years. So now all of a sudden it's flying east with their football team three, four times a year. And so now there's even more importance on them to watch their nickels and dimes, and hopefully that allows for more FCS them every year to play an FCS team, uh, whoever that might be in the big sky. So, um, so you know, we'll see what that impact is on. The other thing is that when you, when you think about uh, uh, things like the basketball tournament, right? So, you know, there was, you know, 32 conferences. Next year, a year from now, there's only going to be 31 AQs in the tournament. So now that opens up an at-large spot, which is great, right? Because the more at-larges, the more opportunity for mid-major programs to get a second team in. So some of that is indirect there, but uh, we obviously keep in, keep in close contact with Gloria Navarro's with the Mountain West and uh, and with my friends around the Pac-12, uh, the athletic directors there I know well. And uh, so, you know, the, some of the changes, we have a good, a good uh, idea of what's going to happen. Others are a little bit up in the air right now. Anything else that uh, is going on or that you want to talk about or that's uh, just happening in the world of Big Sky Conference athletics right now? 
We got a lot of tournaments coming up, right? I mean, let's see. We got cross country coming to Missoula. The big side. We got two number one teams in the country: Northern Arizona. First time ever, their women's teams number one in the country. Unreal. So, um, so that's amazing, right? And uh, so cross country's coming to Missoula. We got uh, volleyball and soccer championships coming up here, and then obviously building up to football playoffs. Um, you know, so that's happening. And then, as you saw today, the uh, preseason basketball polls came out for men's and women's basketball. And uh, so that's exciting to see. And first games are two weeks from Monday for basketball. So, you know, this is that overlap time frame where it's really busy on campus, really busy in the conference office, a lot of exciting things going on. And uh, we're just really proud of our student athletes and coaches. And, and, uh, you know, as in, I see you at a lot of the conference events, but uh, you know what it's like and the excitement that we have this time of year as we're building towards uh, the end of the season. Well, it should be super fun, especially in Sacramento on Saturday night, and I'll look forward to seeing you, but thanks for taking some time. Happy to be with the culture. We'll see you Saturday in Sacramento. There you go, Tom. What's your still commissioner of the Big Sky Conference? Uh, it's been fascinating to watch because the Big Sky has no question elevated its national profile over the last several years, and, and Tom and his, and his staff deserve a lot of credit for that. They've done a really good job on social media of getting these TV deals done. Uh, it's... Uh, it's been cool to see, and I just think there's a golden opportunity for the Big Sky right now. And I don't know what the Big Sky is going to look like in five or ten or fifteen years. I think that you know it certainly is going to have some fracturing. I think that's just inevitable. But I do think there's more stability now than there's ever been, and part of that is just because of the progress that's been made in sports by a lot of the the uh, newer schools. I mean, the charter members of the Big Sky have always had great foundations and tradition montana montana state idaho you know weber state but now sac state is is legitimately uh you know a a full division one athletic department part of that's because of the subsidization they received from the state of california part of it's because of their big time uh their their very populous campus and the student athletic fees and part of it's because they've had a lot of success i mean they've won three straight big sky football titles they've always been very good in track uh, they won the Big Sky Women's Basketball Championship last year as well. So, I mean, they certainly have had a lot of um, success on the court, on the field as well, and that always helps too. And uh, I don't know, the, the more strength you got, the better you're going to be. And, you know, NAU and their cross-country programs, and there's this, there's something to compete in and something for everybody in the Big Sky, so it's been fun to watch. This is our ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Paradise Falls located at 3621 Brook Street. Go check them out if you want to watch uh, any and all of the sports. They'll have them on for you. They got 22 big screen TVs, 18 draft beers, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. We'll talk some Sac State, Montana State. We'll also talk some Grizz and Lady Grizz hoops. That's next. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. And Dwight, your father founded Schulte Law Firm in 1987 and since then has mediated more than 3,000 family law and divorce cases. Why is he so good at that sort of law? Well, he is a smart, 
and patient man. A lot of situations where you find yourself in need of attorney are a high conflict situation. And it's really important. And it's a, a, a tenet of our firm that we work through litigious issues in a collaborative way. It's important at Schulte Law Firm that when we're litigating these very serious issues that impact people's lives, that we do so in a way that provides the best representation and the best result to our clients. And what we have found is that the best way to do that is to litigate these issues effectively while doing so with a high degree of professionalism. We can have these disagreements without making it personal. Visit jshultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Big Sky Conference Championship action in Missoula this weekend. The Grizz soccer team could clinch. And uh, the cross-country championships for both men's and women's in the Big Sky also is here. That's going to be cool because, I mean, Northern Arizona, everybody knows just Northern Arizona's prestige and accomplishments in men's cross country. But now their women's team has risen up as well. And these aren't just really, really outstanding cross country teams for the big sky. I mean, they're ranked number one in the country in both men's and women's cross country. That That's crazy. It's also not crazy because of the tradition there. The program that they run, where they're located there in Flagstaff, Arizona, like some 7,000 feet above sea level. The Olympic training facilities uh, that they have there as well. So that should be a fun one, uh, too. I know that there's a lot of distance running aficionados in the community that are certainly going to be excited about that. Uh, So a lot of stuff going on in Missoula, including those soccer matches. Uh, Do I have this right? Is it Portland State on Thursday or Portland State on Sunday? Portland State on Sunday, okay. Sac State Sac on State Thursday. Thursday. Okay, and are, we, are we giving tickets to Thursday or Sunday? I know we gave a couple pairs away the last couple days. So today and the rest of the week, we'll have tickets for the Portland State game on Sunday, which okay. is also senior night. So the Grizz could clinch Thursday, and then they're going to celebrate senior night and uh, uh, and also have their basically coronation as the Big Sky champs, or they might have to wait till senior day to clinch the thing. Either way, we got tickets for you to Sunday's match. If you call us right now, 406 406- Actually, text us because I want Andrew to talk about Grizz and Lady Grizz basketball. So text us right now, 406-888-1029. Any text will get you entered in to win tickets to the uh, Montana-Portland State soccer match on Sunday. Uh, Andrew, I was running a little behind last night, so I didn't, I was not able to make it down to Dahlberg Arena. But you were there to take in the uh, Silver and Maroon scrimmage for both the Men's and women's basketball teams. It was actually the women's and then the men's teams. Lady Grizz first, then men Grizz. So I guess we'll start ladies first. Um, what did you think of of the Lady Grizz? They certainly have some uh, formidable and reputable returners, including Carmen G. Feller, who's back for her sixth season, and uh, Matt Coning, who's the reigning Big Sky Freshman of the Year. And, and Livy Stump was also one of the top bench scorers in the league last year as a freshman. So certainly Brian Holsinger's done a good job bringing in some talent, but they also have a whole bunch of new transfers that you got to get an eye on uh, last night. So what did you think of just what you saw there from the Lady Grizz? Well, I thought it was a lot of fun. I think they've got a lot of players who can score the ball, no doubt. Uh, they played two 10-minute halves, and it ended up 42-42 to 42 
in 20 minutes of play. So do the math on that, right? Yeah, right. They, they were shooting it really well. They had multiple players. Seems like they should have just played like a couple more minutes to just not have a tie. Or do like a, a free throw shooting competition shooting or something? Contest. Yeah, something. Yeah, I don't know. Seemed like they shot the ball well, though. I mean, I, did, I watched the evening news. I watched the highlights from our, you know, our guys, Kyle Hansen and Sean Rainey. It seemed like they have a lot of good shooters. The Iowa State transfer, Maggie Espen Miller McGraw, she made three or four three pointers. Uh, Macy Heward, the freshman, the uh, younger sister of Haley, Haley Heward, Heward, made it at least one, and I think a couple of three pointers. Libby Stump made a couple three pointers. Matt Koenig made at least one. Uh, Carmen G. Feller made one. They've got a lot of girls who can shoot this year. Uh, and they've got a lot of girls who can who can score the ball as well. Um, I'm so interested when you have this is the same narrative the Lady Grizz had last year, except for it's even more accentuated now. When you have a whole bunch of key returners, and then you add a whole bunch of talented newcomers, how do they mesh? And certainly there's only a certain amount of minutes to go around. So someone is going to have to have a demeaned role, like a, a lesser amount of minutes, or, or have to redefine their role. And last year, you saw it a little bit because Matt Koning and Libby Stump came in and were both so good as freshmen. Gina Markson came in and also was good as a transfer. And, uh, you know, then they also had the – then you have maybe some of you didn't expect to play a bunch of minutes – become really good, like Danny Barsh, and then they couldn't keep her off the court, so they had to give her a bunch of minutes, too. They did a decent job of, of minute distribution last year. Well, now every single one of those, plus Carmen G. Feller is back, and they, I mean, Maggie Espenmiller, or uh, uh, McGraw Espenmiller, is, it was a, what, a four-star recruit out of high school? I mean, this is a young lady that was a big-time Big 12 recruit, and she had a bunch of injuries at Iowa State. She ends up uh, finishing up here. So it's, it's just... I just wonder how they're going to distribute the minutes and then how, if you maybe have your minutes knocked down a little bit, how do you react? How do you fill a, a different or foreign role? Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch, and that's a that's a coaching issue, right? It's a, it's a, it's a coaching challenge, I guess, more than an issue. I'm not really worried about how the top transfers are going to fit in because I think the, the top two or three transfers who are really going to play a lot of minutes – I think Brian Holsinger and his staff did a really good job of identifying players who can fill roles. I think, you know, Maggie Espen Miller McGraw is going to be a floor spacer. I think the Arizona State transfer, uh, Imogen Greenslade, the Australian, yep, yep. she's just going to be a, a, a screener and roller. She's a big body in the post on defense. I think that, that those girls are going to, to have clearly defined roles, and I think they're going to be really good in them. I think the trouble comes when it comes to. You know, the players who you had last year, they had a ton of talent on that team last year. Carmen G. Feller, I think Matt Koenig really needs to have the ball in her hands a lot this year. She looked really, really good, uh, both scoring and distributing last last night. So uh, so where do those minutes go? I mean, is Libby Stump going to have to come off the bench as sort of the instant offense there? Uh, what is Gina Markson's role going to be? And this is a player who's been an all Big Sky caliber player at multiple schools now. I think Gina Markson's going to be really important for them this season. But it, it, there's just... There are not a ton of minutes to go around when you have, I think, nine or ten girls who can play this year. And, and you know, part of that gets resolved organically, right? I don't think that yep. it, it, it's naive to think that this team is going to be healthy all season. True. It's naive to think that, you know, 
you're not going to have two or three girls sitting on the bench with injuries every every game, and part of that sure. just helps you resolve this organically. Um, but even if that happens, and and you know, not wishing injury on anybody, of course, it's just that happens during a basketball season. Yes. Even if that happens, I think that we're going to have to see roles get defined, like you said. And I came out of last night thinking that. Matt Koenig probably needs to have the biggest role on this team, at least offensively. Mm-hmm. And I think that because of what Danny Bartsch brings def- defensively. And all the other things. Energy. And rebounding. Rebounding, blocking shots. I mean, to me, that, that's why you got to go beyond the, the, the points per game type of deal. Right. Danny Bartsch is... How do, you, how do you say this articulately? She is not the best player on the Lady Grizz. She is the one that has the best chance to impact winning at a, at as many different levels as anybody else. Like, if she plays her top level, she can be a young lady that changes the game in more different ways than pretty much anybody else on that team. Absolutely, and I think to piggyback off of that, I think they're going to want to press a lot this year. They showed a lot of press yes. last night in the scrimmage. Danny Barch needs to be on the front line of that press, guarding the inbounder and then trapping the ball handler. She's one of the best in the country at that. Well, for sure. She's going to have There's a big There's just not role. a lot of 6'3 gals who could run and jump like her, just anywhere. Exactly right. So she's going to have a big role just because of what she does defensively and with everything else. I think you, you sort of build around those two girls in those two roles and you see who fits in with them. And maybe you try a bunch of different, uh, bunch of different lineups early in the season. So what about, okay, so I have two questions for you. Libby Stump was as as good of a just go-to ISO scorer as there was in the league period last year. She certainly has had some limitations in terms of the, the overall college game. But, I mean, you and I used to always joke, like when she goes that little pull-up jumper to either her right or her left, it's just, I mean, it's as money as it gets in terms of creating your own shot in the league. You and I were texting last night, though, she's probably going to be in her best form as the, the sixth, the, the the reserve the the you know the sixth gal on the team, so I mean I, I don't know how do you is that important to empower her in that role? Is there any role you can see where her, she's in the starting lineup? I mean how do you how do you sort of manage that? Is she going to be satisfied? I guess with being well, I guess we won't know until we see it. But it just seems interesting because she's such a highly regarded and, and heralded uh, player. Yeah, it's going to be a real dilemma. I thir- I certainly think you could have her in the starting lineup. I just think that when it comes down to it. I prefer well you can look at it one of two ways, right? Brian Holsinger has made a lot of noise in this offseason about this team being a defensively focused team. Yes. If you are putting your money where your mouth is, yes. You need to have Gina Markson as the starting off guard in the in the starting lineup. She's a better defender than Libby Stump. That's just facts. I think That's Libby right. Stump is a, is a better defender than she showed last year. I thought she was yes. okay in the scrimmage. Gina Markson has been one of the best guard defenders in the Big Sky Conference for years. Yes, her she, whole career, her entire career. So if you're going that way, I think you need to have um, Gina Markson in the starting lineup next to Matt Koenig. However, I also think what I saw from Libby Stump. Last night in the scrimmage, she was struggling breaking that pressure, right? Mm. I don't think that she can be the secondary ball handler. I know they tried this lineup with her. Uh, like at the end of the Montana State game in Bozeman last year, they had her running point. Not sure she's going to be able to do that consistently. So in that scenario, 
why don't you put Libby Stump in the starting lineup next to Matt Koenig? Because you need Gina Markson to be running the offense and handling the ball when Matt Koenig sits. Maybe it's just like a little uh, trifecta where you just rotate them all uh, in. Juan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Andrew Houghton chiming in with us. Talking about the uh, silver and maroon scrimmage from last night. Lady Grizz uh, recapped there. Uh, how about the men Grizz then? To me, I mean, the men Grizz... <laughs> I mean, the headline starts with the fact that you got the most veteran guy in the league coming back for his, I don't know, 11th year of college or something. Anand Moody has been, I mean, I think this is literally his seventh year between his time uh, at North Dakota and now at Montana. And uh, I guess, and Southern Utah in there as well. He's the uh, second most reputable returning player in the Big Sky Conference. Dylan Jones was unanimous first team all-league at Weber State's back, but Anand Moody was second team all-league, and he was certainly... The, uh, the heart and soul and the crowd spark for this Grizz team last year. And, and then around him, you know, I think that they were they were okay last year. And I think they did play better the second half of the year. But I just thought that they were probably a, a, a true, like, elite player or two short of being actually a real championship contender. Well, they brought in a freshman in Money Williams who is, by everybody I've talked to in and around the program, among, if not the most talented freshmen they've ever brought in. And Travis DeCure's brought in some of the great freshmen in Grizz Hoops history. Michael Ogine and Saeed Pridget certainly at the top of the list. So if they're talking about this guy in that same um, breath, he, he's obviously highly regarded. The kid comes from Oakland. He's, um, I mean, you want to say championship, he's highly regarded. What were your impressions? First of all, just describe him, and second of all, can he play next to or or in the same lineup as Anand Moody? Yeah, Money Williams was as advertised last night. I I would just describe him as he comes off as just like a, a quintessential hooper, man. I think he really cares about the game. He's got a very deep bag of offensive moves. He's comfortable scoring. At all three levels, he's a he's a very good, not absolute top-of-the-line athlete. But he's a very good finisher at the rim. He had a very tough mid-range jumper off the dribble to, to essentially seal the scrimmage win last night. He also hit a three. Uh, so everything that I saw from him was really good. Left-handed, which is fun. Uh, doesn't appear to take himself too seriously. He has that sort of vibe, and you know, I was trying to watch him warm up just because I'd heard so much about him. He has the vibe of somebody, I, th- I thought the two best players in the Big Sky Conference last year on the men's and women's side, I thought Raekwon Battle had this, I thought Kalasia Dean had this for Sac State. Just super unhurried, not rushed, yeah. he's not working up a sweat during warm-ups, he's sort of bouncing on his toes, he- he's very nonchalant when he's warming up, etc., etc. Um, that translates a little bit to the game, he's very smooth. How do you think he will play with next to Anand Moody? Well, I think it's an interesting question because it's not only how does he play next to Anand Moody, but how, how does he play next to Brandon Whitney as well. Right. All three of those guys are, are guards, essentially. Money yes. Williams is... You know, Money Williams is about 6'4", He's 6'4", right? and he's well-built. He's not slim. But again, Such I think... interesting defensive lineups because Moody is actually a pretty good defender off the ball. Yep. Whitney's a great defender both on and off the ball. He just also happens to be six feet tall and like 170 pounds. He's just not he's just not big. 
I'm not sure you can... is going to have to be able to guard, I think, because Travis DeCures is not going to roll with lineups where nobody is elite. I mean, Whitney's an elite defender, but he's, he needs more elite defenders for the style they want to play. Yeah, I'm not sure how much you can play those three guys together just because of how well it works. <laughs> defensively, right? There are certain looks where you can. Sure. Right? Against a team like Eastern Washington, though, which they still have Casey Jones and Cedric Coward, who are these right. six, seven wings who crash the board super hard. Yes. I just think that playing all three of those guys together is is really untenable. From what I saw last night, Coulter, maybe it's Brandon Whitney who has to take a step back in those lineups. Mm. Maybe you play Moody and Money Williams together as the two guards. You count on on Moody for the ball handling in those lineups, and uh, and pick and choose your matchups with Whitney. I'm not sure how it's going to play out. I think it'll be really interesting. Brandon Whitney also looked really good last night. He was he was good at initiating offense. Yeah, made some great passes to the corner. Of course, same as he ever is on defense. Uh, but Money Williams is certainly making a push to get a lot of minutes early. Last thing. Where is this team going to get rim protection from? Because that was their absolute biggest weakness last year, especially when they tried to turn the corner. They started playing Josh Bannon on the ball, which is great because it gives you this enormous mismatch on offense. You also have this awesome rebounding advantage at any of the guard spots, but they had no nobody to protect. I mean, Mac Anderson loved him, loved covering him. I mean, the guy's a foul a minute guy during his uh, Grizz career, basically, right? I mean. And Deshaun Thomas is 6'9". He's not, he's not protecting the rim. He had like the two blocks against Portland State, and they tried to make it like a narrative within the season to try to get him going a little bit. Uh, I, I just wonder where are they going to get rim protection. They have, I mean, they have Lou O.K. back, from, who was, uh, you know, came on strong at the end of last year. And they brought in Tejon Sawyer, who looks like a huge body when I've seen him practice. Do they have anybody that can then sort of guard the paint, man the paint? They do not. They didn't last year either, though, and I think yes. a couple. Re- well, first of all, Lauluoki looks really good. He does, and he did. He good. looks. He looks fit. He looks well, way, he way looks more. Com- <laughs> he did last year, but he looks way, way more confident on offense. That's good. He did have a couple blocks last night. They were both against Tejon Sawyer, I think, who's about six six. Yeah. So he's got a couple inches on him in the post. Uh, no, I think it might just be like last year, where their best rim protector was Josh Vasquez the entire year. Oh man, which is tough, and you never want to go into a season without that. But I think that they are. Potentially a better rebounding team this year on defense. Because okay. I think Lau Luoki is going to be able to stay on the court. He's going to be able to stay out of foul trouble. And he's going to be playable on the offensive end. You know, last season, not only did they not have any rim protection, Josh Bannon was their only rebounder. That's right. Their only above average defensive rebounder. That's he was right. clear in the glass by himself. This year, I think, you know, you don't have Bannon. But I think Oki's going to be very effective in that role. Deshaun Thomas is okay in that role. I think Jordan Williams is a good rebounder for his size. Uh, Tejon Sawyer's an interesting player. He didn't play all that well last night. I think he's a good rebounder for his size if he gets minutes. So I think they, they might be better there. But you're right. I mean, rim protection is hard to find. It, they, who, it is. who in the conference has a guy who's who's an at, you know, Jabril Bello and Great Osobor are not at Montana State anymore. Well, that's right. That's Ethan right. Price at, at Eastern Washington's a good one. Ethan Price is, I mean, the big boy at Weber State, Alex Pugh, is... Two, yeah. He, oh, two, right. He's he's limited offensively, but he's seven feet tall. So, I mean, that that in itself uh, gives you a little bit of an advantage. I don't know. Uh, last one here on the Grizz, and then we'll get out. What uh, is there a role 
on this team for Jackson Knapp. He's a guy that showed some flashes last year. Was he out there? Or did he do anything yesterday? He was out there yesterday. He was he was he was sloppy for most of it. Um, sloppy when you know, not a great handle still. But he's just really interesting because he's left-handed. He's yeah. six eight or whatever, and he can shoot it a little bit. He made, yes. I think, one three. So he's a guy who maybe can space the floor, and I think that's the role that they want to have him in this year. I mean, last year he was a complete luxury player. He played last year as a freshman, yeah. but in, in blowouts either way, right, yeah. or for a couple minutes here or there. This year I think they're trying to actually find a role where he can come out and help you because just having a guy who's that long and can move that well on the court helps you if he's able to stay out there. So I think he's going to be primarily a spot-up shooter early in the year, and then maybe as he gets more comfortable, you see him on the ball more. Maybe you see him as a screener in pick-and-roll actions more because he can pop off of that screen. Yeah. Um, and and he, he has the potential to be... Uh, you know, a good and potentially impactful defender as well. So I, I think he'll get some minutes. Tough tough yesterday, too, because Deshaun Thomas wasn't playing. Josh Vasquez wasn't playing. So we saw a lot of a lot of minutes for a lot of guys who I'm not sure what their role is going to be this year. Well, I, I know this. Uh, covering Travis DeCure for as long as uh, we have, so many of these questions are going to come down to one question. Can you play defense like TD wants you to play? <laughs> if, you, if you can't stand, get up to the standard of what Travis DeCure wants defensively, uh, you ain't playing. And so I think that's going to be uh, the defining thing uh, for this Chris basketball team. So it'll it probably be something that works itself out during this uh, non-conference. We were going to talk some Sac State, Montana State football, uh, and we kind of blew through that. So uh, we'll, we'll give you a couple of quick thoughts early uh, in the week here and then uh, maybe get to some more uh, later on in the week as well. Of course, we have Andy Thompson and Brent Vegan both joining us tomorrow to preview the game too. But we'll take one more break, and we'll be back right after this. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. If you missed anything in the show, you can always find it on the Nuance Now podcast, which is probably presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com, the M store where they're all grizz all the time, and the Montana State Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org. We got soccer tickets for you Sunday. It's senior day. Grizz are closing in on a uh, women's soccer Big Sky Conference championship. A win either Thursday or Sunday will clinch it for them. And uh, Sunday against Portland State. So if you want to uh, catch the game, you want to go, we got tickets for you. Call right now, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. First caller, we got tickets for you. 888-1029. Montana State at Sac State under the lights. It's ESPN2. Game kicks at 830 Mountain Standard Time. Some people were surprised by this. The Cats opened up as a 10.5-point favorite on the road. And uh, I, I totally think that, you know, Sac State's number three in the country. And uh, they have been, I mean, they're they're what now? 26-2 and two since the beginning of 2019 in Big Sky Conference uh, games. They are the three-time defending Big Sky Conference champions. They have a ton of talent on their roster Andy Thompson has made a pretty much seamless transition, taken over as the head coach there at Sacramento State. I don't think the the spread is too big. 
I, in fact, think that that's uh, about right on just because I, I know this is number two versus number three, and I'm not trying to demean Sac State whatsoever. I just think that the matchup significantly favors Montana State just in terms of the the strengths and weaknesses of each team. Sac State certainly has an advantage being at home, playing at Hornet Stadium. There's going to be a ton of, of buzz and juice there uh, at the venue. Uh, it's a huge opportunity for Sac State to display their campus and get themselves on national TV for the, the second year in a row. They uh, also have a very good offense led by one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Caden Bennett, one of the best tight ends in the league in Marshall Martin. Uh, they got veteran receivers. They got a really good running back in Mark, Marcus Fulcher. So Sac State's got a ton of talent. I do think they'll be able to score points against the Bobcat defense. But I do think that the line is accurate because I think that Montana State, I mean, first of all, they can run the ball on everybody. But Sac State's defense, it struggled uh, over the over the years, especially last year and at times this year. They've been okay, pretty good. But it's a defense that's built on speed, and it's a defense that's built on making plays on the ball. Well, guess what? Montana State doesn't give you an opportunity to really make plays on the ball. They just pound the rock over and over and over and over again. If you want to play sideline to sideline, Montana State's just going to beat you down at that. That's what their run game does so well. So, uh, I don't know. I think the Cats deserve to be a a double-digit favorite just because I think that their run game is going to be hard for everybody to stop, and I think it's going to be particularly hard for the Hornets to stop. We will break down this game in depth tomorrow. We got one on ones coming up with Andy Thompson, the head coach uh, of the uh, Sacramento State Hornets, as well as Brent Vegan, the head coach of the Montana State Bobcats. We also got some NFL with Brooks Nuanas. We will see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. This has been Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that yeah. might, it must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Yeah, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> the <laughs> University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time.